Verse 10 says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And on this Mother's Day, I want to give a thank you to my mother who uh, instilled in me the word of God, the scriptures when I was young. And uh, it wasn't always fun. My mother had a gave us a, a pretty strict regimen of uh, Bible memorization. And my sisters actually had it worse than I did um, in regards to this. Actually, in a lot of ways, I got, I got away uh, as the baby of the family. I got away with uh, quite a bit. But uh, in terms of scripture memory, my older sisters had to memorize in the King James and they had to memorize the reference. And me, as the baby, I got to use the NIV translation, which was a little easier. And I also uh, didn't have to memorize the, uh, the reference, the scripture references. So, um, but in honor of my mother, I want to memorize a portion of this scripture today. In verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So I'm going to say it and then I want you to uh, say it out loud after me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay, so I, I actually meant it. So wherever you're seated, um, wherever you are, I want you to, to do that actually out loud. And there might be people around you and it might be awkward, but uh, if you'll humor me and, and definitely, I could tell that you, not everybody did at that time. So let's try this again. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay, that was a little better, but um, these are crucially important words. Uh, grace means gift. It's a free gift. You can't earn it through your goodness. Uh, God's grace, um, it, it means that by God's grace, there's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. It's, it's by the grace of God, I am what I am and you are what you are. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, there's, there's no one so terrible that they're beyond God's grace. You may feel that your life is a failure or that God see, um, doesn't, doesn't care for you or value you. But if you've received his grace, you know that he sees you as precious and good. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's all about his grace. There's, a, there's an old saying, um, but you say, there but for the grace of God go I. It's a kind of a similar expression. I don't know if you've heard that one. It's attributed to an English clergyman named John Bradford in the 16th century. And he said to have said these words uh, when he saw a group of criminals being led to their execution. And he said, but for the grace of God, uh, there but for the grace of God go I. And interestingly, Bradford, uh, he ended up being arrested and he was sentenced to death under the reign of Mary Tudor uh, in England. And um, even then, he still relied on God's grace uh, before he was, uh, he was killed by being burned at the stake. And before he was killed, he was said to have um, called out for forgiveness for anybody who he had ever wronged. And he was, um, he was offering forgiveness to those who had wronged him. And then he, he turned to a man next to him was, who was also being executed. And he said to him, he said, be of good comfort, dear brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. Just a, a deep trust in God's grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Uh, last week, I admitted that I wanted to skip chapter 14 because it was kind of a tough chapter. Um, this week, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is one of my absolute favorite 
uh, passages of scripture. And it doesn't matter what I think of it. Uh, it's God's word and it's living and active and powerful. But I want to share with you today three reasons why I just absolutely love these words, why I absolutely love and treasure this passage of scripture. The first is this, is because it regrounds me. Look at verse one again. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This passage uh, returns me right to the center of my faith. This is the, the, the message. So he uses the word gospel, means good news message. Christianity is a, a, a message, an announcement that when it is received by faith, it becomes a foundation for life, a firm foundation. And we need that right now. We need that so much. Um, so much of our world is unsteady and shaken up right now. Things that we thought were steady or things that we thought were firm ground, like your job and career, your investments, your health, your future, any of those things that seemed steady to you really right now through this time have been really shaken up. So the question is, in an unsteady world, what is this firm ground on which I stand? What's at the center? And in the Christian faith, uh, there is something at the center. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of Christian beliefs. There's a lot of branches of Christianity. But what's at the, what is the source and the center of this? If you're someone who tends to be skeptical of faith or skeptical of the Christian faith, you know, what is it exactly that you're skeptical of? What do you really think Christianity is? Or if you're somebody who's been a Christian your whole life, you know, what is it that motivates your faith? What is that thing that keeps you rooted? It, it, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, this is the old joke is a lumberjack who went to town one day to have his axe sharpened. And the owner of the store said, uh, hey, I'll sharpen your axe, but you, you know, you could cut down 10 times as many trees with a chainsaw. And the lumberjack said, well, I've never used one, but... If you say it's so great, I'll, I'll try it. And a week later, Lumberjack comes back with a chainsaw. I said, this thing's terrible. I don't want anything to do with it. It took me a day and a half just to cut one log. And the owner of the store took the chainsaw and said, let me see that. Let's see what's wrong with it. And he, he pulls the, the cord, starts it up, and um, the engine starts, and the Lumberjack says, what's that noise? And um, it's a... My point is that it's easy to reject something if you don't know what it's about or how it really works or what's at the center of it. And here, um, right here in verse two and three, this is it. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That Christ died for your sins. Um, the, the, the message is that I am a sinner. That as much as I become frustrated with other people, I know that um, I have a problem of sin. The problem in our world is not just a virus. It's not just injustices. It's not just government leaders who have failed. It's not just things that are out there. But the problem with the world starts right here in my own heart. That um, all sin and all fall short of God's perfection, but Christ died for me and for my sins according to the scriptures. And the scriptures tell us of a good world, a perfect world, without disease and death and, and brokenness. But that world, that beautiful creation that God made, 
falls into sin. We reject God's way and go our own way. And then that sin condition, we inherit, we inherit that condition and we, we live in it. And we need to be uh, redeemed and, and restored and, and saved from this condition of sin and death. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And on the cross, he died for our sins that we can ultimately, uh, that, that he's ultimately taking the penalty and then we can ultimately be forgiven. And restored, and God is in this process of restoring, fully restoring the whole world to make a new heavens and a new earth where we will live in His presence, uh, in all of the perfection and all the goodness that He intended. And it's because Jesus died for our sin to to take care of and, and to wipe out that sin for us and to give us a new life and a new righteousness that is only a gift of His grace. That is at the center of our faith. And so the text says, by this you are saved, if you hold it firmly, that you are rescued from this broken world, and that your life, this story that we're living right now, this season of of being a human on this planet during this time, is part of God's bigger story, that God has this in his hands, and this good news of Jesus regrounds me in that. And that's why I love this. That's the first reason. The second reason that I love this passage of scripture is because of the evidence. Look at verse four. Um, so Christ died and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. You know, the, the idea of Jesus is great. The idea of salvation and, and new heavens and all these things are great ideas, but is it true? And I know for me, I tend to think more scientifically. I uh, studied science in my undergraduate. I love science. I love evidence. I love proof. And so the question is, can I believe this stuff about Jesus, about his death and his resurrection. And, and here, uh, this passage just has a beautiful um, evidence for us. It's, it's, it talks about these witnesses. Here's witnesses, hundreds of them, who saw this, who saw the risen Jesus. And a lot of them are still alive. This, this letter was written about 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. And basically, look, you can, you can talk to them. You can, uh, they, they, some of them have died, but many are still alive. And they've claimed to see Jesus, some of them alone, some of them in groups, and some of them repeatedly on multiple occasions. Again, this isn't just individuals. If it was just individuals, um, you know, you could say, well, somebody had a really hopeful thought or a dream or some kind of vision or hallucination. But when you say there was hundreds at one time, it's hard to understand how a group of hundreds of people would have a group hallucination. That just doesn't happen. Um, you know, was it all just a group of people who created this hoax, who created a story for other people uh, to have hope somehow? Um, you know, these these people, many of them died for their faith. Um, they became amazingly resilient, amazingly dedicated, and it's hard to become so dedicated to something that you know is is false or that you've just made up. You know, their willingness to suffer, their willingness to die, and it just changed their lives. Uh, it just changed their whole way that they viewed the world, really, in an instant, overnight. Um, now, of course, one argument would be, well, you know, 
it was a long time ago. People were more primitive 2,000 years ago. You know, they really wanted to, they were more likely to believe these kind of things, these supernatural kind of things. We're more scientific. We understand how the world works better than they did. So we, you know, they, they kind of wanted to see this happen and we, you know, we would be more skeptical. But the problem with that argument is that these people weren't looking for a resurrection. So the Greeks, let's say in Corinth, um, they had a view of the human body that was bad. If you die, then it was seen as this freedom. It was, I'm freed from the prison of my mortal body. That resurrection would be something that you would not want. Um, even the, the Jewish believers, you know, they, they believed in a resurrection, but it was at the end of time. It was part of some um, ultimate thing that would happen, not in the middle of history. Uh, they weren't looking for this. Nobody was, you know, nobody wanted a resurrection. And then the, some of these names that are mentioned here, like James, was not a believer. Paul, uh, really not a believer. You know, they're not hoping that Jesus is alive and wishing it for it to be true. Yet, they experience the risen Jesus and their lives are radically changed. Um, so if you say, well, I can't believe in these kind of things because my worldview doesn't does, it doesn't fit my worldview, my scientific worldview. Well, it didn't fit their worldview either. Um, when the disciples, when the disciples heard of the resurrection, so remember the women saw Jesus first, and they went to the disciples as he told them, and they said, "We've seen Jesus; he's alive." They, the, the Bible says that they thought it was nonsense. They thought this was crazy. It was not an idea that they wanted, but it changed them because they saw it too, and they believed. Um, this group of people did not become some, uh, this uh, really a world changing group by believing in a fairy tale. It was about what they saw and what that did to them having seen it. You know, not a hoax, not a hallucination, not just wishful thinking. They, uh, they saw it and they believed it. And then here the writing is, and these people are still alive. Go ahead and ask them. So, um, I love this passage because it just reminds me of all this evidence and the truth of the Christian faith. It's not just, you know, some made up ideas and um, we can all have that kind of, it gives us a certainty in our faith and we can all have that as we explore this evidence together, you know, and there's so many things in the world that are uncertain. We need things that are certain so that we can cling to them and that we can have hope in them. So I love this scripture because it regrounds me. I love it because of the evidence. And lastly, I love this passage of scripture because God's grace is amazing. Look at verse nine. For I am the least of the apostles and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This is the Apostle Paul, and it's his testimony. When, this, when the whole Christian movement started after the resurrection of Jesus, he wanted nothing to do with it. This man was a religious leader, a Jewish leader. He wanted to do everything that he could to stamp out these Christians, these followers of Jesus. He was present at the, at the killing of the first Christian martyr named Stephen. He was there approving of it. And then he went uh, relentlessly pursuing Christians to arrest them and to uh, imprison them and to kill them. And, but the grace of God, he has an encounter with the risen Jesus. He experiences the grace of God. 
And it completely changed his life and the trajectory of his life. And he became one who um, traveled around the known world to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus, and to, to start new churches and to encourage them and to foster their faith. And that's what this letter is all about. I, I know for me, I, I'm somebody who grew up with faith in my home, as I, I mentioned, but there was, there was some really tough stretches in my life where I rebelled. I did not live as a person of faith. Um, my early college years, um, a lot of trouble. I ended up getting kicked out of school. My drinking was out of control. I was just not living by faith, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I came to find repentance. I came to find healing. I came to find faith and forgiveness. And God gave me people to walk with me through those times. It was all about his grace. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's nothing I've achieved and it's, it's, um, I don't deserve any of it. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, you are what you are. If you receive it by faith, if you receive his grace, maybe you need his grace right now. Maybe you need to reground yourself in his grace or maybe you just receive it by faith. And you could do that today. If you want to pray with somebody after the service, you can just stick around and use the, the prayer, um, the prayer, the live prayer link. And, and somebody could pray with you today or, or contact me this week. Set up a phone call. I'd love to pray with you. Um, or maybe you maybe exploring this evidence. You know, is this really true? Is this um, what is this really about? We could do that. So set up a time. And, and I would love to, uh, for you to receive this amazing grace. Now the song, Amazing Grace, is it's one of the most beloved uh, songs and beloved hymns of all of Christianity. It's estimated that it was perform- it's performed perhaps 10 million times every year. It was written by a man named John Newton. He grew up, uh, his father was a mariner, and he got into the, um, into the shipping business, and they, they were involved in the slave trade. And for Newton, this created just a deep sense of, of guilt in his life, because he knew that what he was doing was, was wrong. And one day he was uh, reading a devotional book, and he, he was in a big storm, and he just called out to God, and he gave his life to Christ, and and received God's amazing grace to him. And he really transformed his life. He later became a pastor. He um, wrote this famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And you'll hear a, a rendition of that in a moment. But it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Let us pray. Father God, I pray that we would all know your grace today. In an uncertain world and in an unsteady time, we need, to, we need that firm foundation. The good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross by his death and his resurrection. Just the beautiful evidence of it that we would come to just remember it, reground ourselves. Or to even to believe in it for the first time today. If there's any here, um, Lord, that are listening to these words who now believe, I pray that they would just put their faith in you. That they would receive that salvation that you bring through this, Lord. And that, you would, that they would know and experience your grace in every way, Lord. We thank you for your love for us, your love for this world, your plan of saving and redeeming and restoring the good world that you created, Lord. May it be. We praise you and we pray in Jesus' name.
amen.